0: Welcome to the first pilot episode of the Baptist Broadcast. I am so excited to get this project up and running. This is this is something that I've been wanting to do for a while. I've been looking for a way to create a simple outlet where Baptist theology uh, can be applied to pastors and lay persons, um, and and more than just. The distinctives of Baptist theology. I'm, I'm I'm just talking about Orthodox Christianity, as well as the distinctives of Baptist theology uh, being being applied uh, to to pulpit ministry and and to the layperson. And I you know I do a I have a Gab channel. I have a Gab TV channel, and I I do kind of the whole thing I used to do on YouTube on there. But I really wanted a, a simplified platform. Where I didn't have to worry about the video or the quality of video, and I didn't have to worry about you know long upload times and all that. And I could just come on here and do a quick broadcast about our beloved Lord and Savior and all of the doctrine He has revealed to us. He is the clearest and most express revelation of His Father, and so uh, I, I wanted to I wanted to be able to come out on this mic and and shoot like a shotgun some some thoughts out there and 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 it it, it the form that it's taken is the Baptist broadcast. So welcome to the Baptist broadcast. I'm happy to be here and I hope you are as excited to be here as I am. Okay. Now, today I want to begin by talking about the different or we might say the distinct distinct <laughs> can't talk. The distinct genera of theology and how important it is to make these distinctions uh, in our theology. Uh, there is a tendency today, and it's a big tendency, and 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 we all really probably most of us came up in this kind of theological milieu where everything's just kind of blended together, and we're not making the, the proper distinctions. But there's a huge a huge tendency, and it's just really accepted as an assumption uh, of blending biblical theology and and something like systematic or dogmatic theology, and and even analytic theology and practical theology and all of that, and blending that, throwing it all together. I'd say, you know, out of all of those, you know, areas of theology that we could we could you know differentiate or 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 or, or distinguish, um, the the conflation of biblical theology and systematic theology has been one of the worst. Plagues uh, in contemporary evangelicalism, and and even in seminary life, uh, to some extent, to one extent or the other. Now, when and then there are then there are you see there are subsets in biblical theology. Like exegetical theology does not describe the whole of biblical theology, for example. Um, And so, to make these distinctions is incredibly useful. In terms of how we practically go about, like structuring a sermon, interpreting the text, and etc. Now, in biblical theology, you have your exegetical theology, which really comes first. You're just looking at the text, right? Um, but then you have, you know, kind of biblical theology proper, um, where you're looking at how, uh, you know, you know a a single text relates to the whole narrative of, of Scripture. Uh, the, the analogy of faith, we might say, is related to this. And what often ends up happening with, with the guys who, who love exegetical theology, they make exegetical theology the entire scope of biblical theology such that, and, 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 and really this happened in, in dispensational circles the most, where... Uh, The literal sense of the text really is the only sense of the text. And so you cannot make crucial connections uh, transcripturally. And what I mean by that is you can't make a connection between Genesis 6, for example, and and what goes on later on in places like... uh, Second Chronicles or Numbers 13, for example, uh, you know, and I'm obviously referencing the, the Nephilim here. And, uh, our, you know, the, the neutering of biblical theology uh, has gotten us into a lot of trouble because we can't make these connections, so we can't see the broader scheme or the redemptive significance in various texts. And, and the reason it's very important to see the biblical significance in these various texts is because, and I don't mean just biblical significance in terms of the immediate or historical or literal context, but the the overall purpose for why it was set down in the first place. So take, take for example, the Nephilim in Genesis 6-4. Why did God, through Moses, include that as a detail? Well, we we know that there's some immediate development and some immediate reason why it was included. It seems to be a reason, a foundational reason for for the judgment text in the following verses five through seven. But what about for us? And the reason we even ask the question how does it how does it apply to us is because we have texts like Romans fifteen verse four where. Paul explicitly says that those things which were written before were written for our learning, uh, for our, and, and to be more precise, for our instruction. That we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. And what's being said there is that everything that was written prior to the uh, the inauguration and establishment of the new covenant was written. For us, and then the question. So, the, so the question becomes: wh- What does it mean for us then? If you take a text like Genesis six four, for example, how does Genesis six four instruct us now? In in any kind of a meaningful fashion, without just being a text that 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 tells us something neat about history, how does Genesis six four actually instruct us? How does something like Genesis 6-4 lead to our our, our patience, comfort, and, and our hope, really? And so, in the whole of the Old Testament, we could ask the same thing about the whole of the Old Testament. How does the whole of the Old Testament lead to our hope? And I think, you know, a very basic answer to that question is because the whole Old Testament looks forward to Christ. The whole Old Testament says something about Christ, right? And so the question and, and then you know there are more specific questions, you know, how then how do you preach Christ out of the Old Testament, especially out out of, out of difficult texts in the Old Testament like Genesis 6, 4, or getting into Leviticus and the specifics of the ceremonial laws and, and even numbers and all of the genealogies and all that? How do you preach Christ out of that? And 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 I think because of Romans 15 and 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 because of the the idea or the reality that the New Testament is the completion, the capstone, and the fullness of clarity of the Old Testament, I think that you can preach Christ out of those books. I think that you can preach Christ out of Leviticus. It's actually easy to preach Christ out of Leviticus with, with all of the typology going on. But how do you preach Christ out of out of numbers, for example? and And, and some of the places in numbers, I think, would be more simple. Or, or easier to 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 preach Christ out of than others obviously but how do you w- what about books like that you know what about books like Song of Solomon that people don't want to touch you know uh because because they they don't think it, it's telling us anything except for you know Solomon's sexual relationship with his wife essentially uh how, you know if that's all it says then then what does it mean for us no I think because of Romans 15. And other parts of the text, other parts of the New Testament and apostolic literature and the methodology of the apostles, I think you can look back into a text like Song of Solomon or into a text like Leviticus or Numbers, and you can preach Christ out of those texts. And you don't have to apologize for doing it. You don't have to apologize for doing it. And you'll be accused, of course, of allegorical interpretation or or just doing whatever you want to with the text and all of that. Those those accusations are, are due to come about. but. And of course, of course, there's a right way to develop the hermeneutic, right? It's not just this subjectivist interpretation of the Old Testament. Um, but, but look at places like Matthew 2.5, or Matthew 2.15, rather, and its use of Hosea 1.11. Uh, and I know scholars have tried to, some scholars have tried to say, well, that's, that's, you know, some unwritten text somewhere. You know, Matthew, after all, says, you know, it was said, it was said out of out of Egypt i called my son. Uh, so that's uh, that's not talking about that's not that's not Hosea 11:1. That's just a, another saying that says the exact same thing essentially as Hosea 11:1 but isn't um, but isn't Hosea 11:1, right? And the reason there are some people who who want to say that is because well if that's the case if if it is Hosea 11:1 um, and you're totally, in all regards, against allegorical interpretation whatsoever, then, 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 that, the, then the apostles' use of Hosea 11.1 1 is, is problematic. But I would say you don't even have to—it That it doesn't hinge on Matthew 2.15, whether or not he uses Hosea 11.1 1 or not. I mean, because you have even a more explicit use of 2 Samuel 7.14 and Hebrews 1.5. That takes a text that is immediately and uncontroversially about Solomon in the historical context, and the author of Hebrews takes it and applies it directly to Christ. Well, why does he feel like he can do that? Well, he feels like he can do that because um, because all of the Old Testament is about Jesus, uh, and and so the homework for the the pastor and theologian as they read through the Old Testament try to figure out, you know, what it means is to, is to really find Christ in it. And it's not reading Christ into it. It's reading Christ out of it. All right. So it's not like you're taking a, uh, it's not, you're not being anachronistic. You're not being willfully anachronistic by, by taking Christ and, and reading him out of it. You're reading him not into it, but out of it because Christ was there in the first place and it was all part of the authorial intent. Uh, and and authorial intent, not in the sense of the the, the human amanuensis' of authorial intent, but God's authorial, in, authorial intent, I think, is what we need to be most concerned about. This is God's mind being revealed to people uh, through the minds of and hands of of, of say Paul and and uh, or or going back to the Old Testament, Isaiah and Daniel and Ezekiel, etc. So anyways, guys, uh, this is, again, this is the first pilot episode of the Baptist Broadcast. We're going to be getting into stuff like this all of the time. And I, I really hope that it will be useful and helpful um, to you, to to all the listeners. And I look forward to the next episode already. So y'all have a good rest of your, of your day and the rest of your week.